Hey, good morning, LifeHouse. Welcome to our Summer at LifeHouse series. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to someone who I had the privilege of hearing from at our last district fall conference. The staff and I were blessed and inspired by his message, and I know that you will be blessed as well. Pastor Antonio, along with his wife, Pastor Nina, have pastored their church called True Worship in Detroit, Michigan. And most recently, Pastor Antonio has become the Foursquare Central District Supervisor. So I'm not sure, but I think that now makes him my boss. Will you stand this morning, Lifehouse, and will you give a warm welcome to Pastor Antonio Sims? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. Let's give victory a voice this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He is good and he is worthy to be praised. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Come on, let's give a quick shout out to your pastor, Pastor Ryan and Kelly. Amen. Amen. Phenomenal, phenomenal leaders. I had a chance to uh, talked to him a little bit and just really excited about what the Lord is doing in his life and in this church. This is an amazing church. Give yourselves a round of applause. I love Lifehouse. Amen. Um, me and my wife, we, we've been here since uh, Friday. We've got a chance to get out and check out the city and it's, it's starting to grow on us a little bit. And um, as I spent time in the morning service, we had a phenomenal time in our 9 o'clock service, 9, 9.30 service. Amen. I was talking to my wife. I'm like, man, it would be cool, man, if, if we could somehow get some sort of dual membership. Amen. And be a part of what's happening here at the Life House. It's going down. Hallelujah. Amen. So I am excited to be here. Um, I know that this is uh, the summertime, so we've got a lot of people that's traveling. Um, uh, I, I understand some of the... Uh, friction that comes. You're trying to just kind of make it through the summer as people are gone. So my responsibility on today is not to do anything or say anything that Pastor Ryan is going to have to clean up. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I don't want him to come off of his sabbatical and have to clean up anything that Antonio Sims said on today. So I, I'm going to stick to the scripture. Is, is that all right? I'm just going to stick to the script. All right. Um, I, I brought a couple of people with me. I have my lovely wife, Nina. Nina, would you please stand? She is the new senior pastor of True Worship, and she's doing a phenomenal job. I've got my daughter here, Naya. Naya, stand up. She's 13. Amen, my baby. And I've got two twins. Well, I've got a set of twins here, too, Jada and Joshua. Uh, they're over with, uh, in Children's Church, and I've got three more kids. See, when, when you get past, I think, two or three, you start losing count. But I have six children I've got a 30-year-old son, 26-year-old daughter, and a 16-year-old son who was supposed to be on a trip, but he's a starting quarterback for his team, and they've got seven-on-sevens and scrimmages, and he said, Dad, I, I need my snaps, man. So is there any way that I can, like, just miss this trip? I'm like, man, I already purchased your ticket, right? But um, one of the things that, that I've learned uh, since I've come up in ministry is that it's important for us to work with our children as they're growing. And so I don't want to force him to have to go to everything. I'm going to raise him up, and, you know, in the way that he should go. But I, I think that these are important times in, in our kids' lives that we need to be able to give them that space so that they can make some, de some uh, decisions for themselves and also grow. So um, he owes me uh, for, for his ticket. So that's how that works. Amen. So I, I want to get right into the message. We had a phenomenal time this morning. I am the Central District Supervisor, and um, I think we've got Pastor David in the house. Where are you? Amen. Right there. Amen. 
Amen. And I had a conversation earlier. I think his name was Al. Was his name Al? Yeah, Al. So Al comes up to me and he says, hey, Antonio, nice to meet you. Yeah, Dave, David Coffey used to be the district supervisor. And he, he said, so are you taking over after him? I said, no, there's been a couple after him. Uh, he said, so this is a hard job to keep, huh? I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, it, it is, right? But uh, uh, there will surely be one that follows me. I'm sure of that. Amen. But while I'm here, I just want to serve. We make up uh, three districts consolidated. Uh, we are now 18 states. Um, we are uh, 340 plus churches and a whole lot of licensed ministers. Amen. So we've got a lot of work to do. And people will ask me, Antonio, how are you going to do it? Like, how are you going to make this thing work? How do we go from three districts? And now we've got, uh, for those of you that don't know, the central district makes up uh, the largest geographic footprint of all of the other districts. And I tell them this, I'm not. <laughs> right? I know my capabilities, but I know in Christ Jesus we can do all things. So I'm inviting the Lord into this to partner with us to do what he's calling us to do. Amen? Amen. And, and then I'll ask them this question. When they say, Antonio, are you going to do it? I'll say, why would God ever give me anything that I could do in my own power? Why would God give me anything in my own strength that I could take credit for? I'm excited to be in a position that I can say, it is he who has done this. It's not me. Right? And so I just think, like, even in this time, we're coming out of, we're, we're still processing our way, coming out of the pandemic, a lot of stuff going on, face, you know, uh, face masks, wear them, don't wear them, just a whole lot of stuff, uh, quarantines, just so much that we've gone through over uh, the past year, longer than a year now, right? And, and we're trying to get back to this normal, but I don't know if God really wants us to get back to normal. I believe that God is trying to do a new thing, and maybe the new thing is really getting back to the basics, Getting back to the basics of the basic fundamentals of what we should be doing as believers. Because we serve an awesome God. And so when they closed the doors of the church and they told us that we couldn't meet, I'm telling you, you know, everywhere is different. Every state's different. And in Michigan, me and my wife, we, we experienced a lot of loss. A lot of people died. I'm, I'm talking about children and their parents passed away. And then we had to come alongside those families and even couldn't even be with them. Like they're at the hospital. They can't even get to the hospital to be with the family. It was hard. And so we just started back about two months ago. And I know that there were other churches that were meeting. And it's okay. And so the way that I approach that, whatever God gives you the grace to do, do it. So we're not judging, saying you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. But what I am saying, what is the Lord saying to you? What, what is the Lord speaking to us? Because that's what really matters. So if the Lord speaks to your pastor and said, it's okay for y'all to meet, I, I'm signing off on it. Let's do it. But we've got pastors that are in other situations that it, it was hard on them, and some of them got it. I've got pastors right now in my district that are at home struggling with COVID right now that we're praying for, sending flowers, like, Lord, bring them through it because it's real. It's a real thing. And so I just give grace to everybody, Lord, whatever you do, but just speak. We want to hear your voice. We want to know that it's you that's speaking to us because you don't want us to be out here foolish. And so we're just going to trust the Lord in what he's doing. A amen? amen? Amen. We are going to trust the Lord. All right. So I want to do an icebreaker. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. So I know a little bit about you already, that this is a church plant out of Church on the Way, right? I heard that this is a great church, phenomenal church. I wish that all of our churches in our districts could say that. 
We are in the process. We're working. We're going to come along our pastors. We're going to support them. We're going to resource whatever we can do to help because that's what we want to do. The new structure of the way things are designed, that's the whole purpose so that we can really walk, us, walk alongside our leaders and really help them, right, to give our energy that we can really focus on our pastors because I believe this is that healthy pastors lead healthy churches. And so it's important for us to make sure that we do all, I can, all we can to help our pastors to be as healthy as they can be. So let me share a little something with you. Um, I was um, working at Ford Motor Company, and I had been there for 13 years. But I had, after three years, I um, was told that they were cutting our shift. So it was three shifts, and I'm getting ready to get cut from my shift. And they tell me that I need to make three selections. So I make my three selections, and I end up getting the one that I wanted. So I end up going to another plant, and as I'm working there, you get to, you know, knowing people. And this one lady who works on my line, I can just tell by her conversation, she goes to church a lot. She spends a lot of time in church, right? And they do this uh, prayer group every Monday, first break. It's like 22 minutes, Okay. And so I knew about it, but I had no intentions on going. I grew up in church. My parents didn't go to church, but they made me go to church because my uncle was the pastor. So we had to go and we had to do that. And, and my most memorable moments growing up in church as a kid was if I had a quarter after service, I could get a bag of Funyuns. And then I could ride in the car home eating my bag of Funyuns. Like that was the highlight of my Sunday, Right. <laughs> But I didn't know anything about the real relationship. I really didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with Christ, right? Because I really didn't have a lot of good models either. I didn't really know what that looked like because they was talking crazy and doing crazy stuff, right? So um, as I got older, um, I ended up going into the Marine Corps. Semper Fi, <laughs> devil dog. Yeah, so I ended up going into the Marine Corps and I became a Marine security guard. I worked at embassies and consulates. I worked at the American Embassy in Manila, Philippines, the American Consulate in St. Petersburg, Russia, the American Consulate in Helsinki, Finland, uh, did a presidential visit in Riga, Latvia, been to Frankfurt, Germany, been to um, Bangkok, Thailand. I've just been to a lot of places, right? But all of those opportunities that I was in the military and traveling, I really realized now that God was preparing me for ministry. There might be some of you right now, you have no idea you're where you're at, why you're there. But there's something that God wants you to glean in that moment because you have no idea what he has planned for your future, right? But it all ties together. So I ended up coming back. I got a job at Ford, um, met this lady, and I knew that, um, you know, it was just a matter of time she was going to invite me to this prayer group. But I'm a big sports fan. Any sports fan, especially NFL. All right, all right. See, I'm a big NFL guy. So that was one of the main reasons I didn't go to church. Because Sunday was a bad day to have church for me. That was just a bad day. Like, we've got six other days that you can, you know, use to gather. But that, that Sunday, I just really had a problem with. I just felt like that was supposed to be set aside for football, pizza, and chicken wings, right? So, I knew that she was going to invite me. And one day, I, as I'm on my break, and that's the time that I would read my sports section and have my cup of coffee, I went to the restroom. Big mistake. I went to the restroom, and the lady that I said, I just knew she'd go to church by the way she talked, she invited me to the prayer group. And I'm, you know, I'm a nice guy. You know, my parents raised me right. I couldn't say no. So I went to the prayer group, and I enjoyed myself, right? So then 
I'm thinking as soon as I walk out of the room from prayer group, I know how these Christians are. They're going to expect me to come back next week, right? So I'm, I'm already thinking about my plan. How am I going to get out of this, right? So the second week come, I'm not going. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take my full 22-minute break, and I'm going to read the newspaper, and I'm going to drink my coffee, right? Somebody comes walking down the aisle and says, hey, Antonio, are you coming to prayer group? I couldn't say no. I folded up the paper. I got up, and I went to prayer group, and I enjoyed myself. Third week comes. I said, you know what? I'm in a bind now. I'm going to go on the other side of the line where they can't see me. I'm going to go and hide, right, because nobody goes on that side because it's dark, right? So I'm going to go on that side, right? And I go on the other side of the line, break open my newspaper. I've got my cup of coffee, and the Lord sends somebody down that side and says, hey, Antonio, are you coming to prayer group? I couldn't say no. I folded up the paper. I got up, and I went to prayer group. Now, something very strange happens between that time and the next week that's coming. Because by the time we got to the fourth week, I'm walking around asking people if they're coming to prayer group. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, right? What just happened to me, right? Like, like I'm com- I-, I am becoming what I was fearful of, right? So, so I continue to go to this prayer group, and then one day I end up working across from the lady who invited me to the prayer group. And I told her, I said, you, I just feel like you guys do too much. Y'all just be in church way too long. Right? I don't feel like you need to do all of that. I think I can have my own personal relationship with God. Right? I can do that at home. I can do that anywhere, which is true. Right? But I really didn't understand the relationship part. I had never seen it really modeled out until then. And she said, I think you need to talk to my husband. So she calls her husband over. His name was Phil. Phil came over, and I'm having this conversation with Phil, and this is what I told him. I said, Phil, I don't want to be a hypocrite, man, because I know the stuff I like. I know the stuff that I'm into, and you know what? I'm not ready to give any of it up. And he says this, and, and, and this was where, I, where the rubber met the road for me. He said, don't you know the Lord is not asking you to give up anything now? He's just asking you to come. I said, What? So you mean that I can come with all of my stuff, all of my mess, all of my baggage? I don't have to get it right because in my mind, deep down inside, I thought I had to get it right first. He said, no, he just wants you to come. God will work everything else out later. I said, you know what? I'm going to give this Jesus a try. I'm going to try him out for 30 days. I'm still not fully committed yet, right? But I'm like, I'm going to try him out, right? So then I get invited to go to this church called Perfecting Church. The pastor is Pastor Marvin Winings, gospel singer. Right, we're sitting in this congregation, about 500 people or so, and I'm sitting there, and I feel like he's talking to me. And he's like, man, this message is about giving everything up for Jesus. Giving everything up for Jesus. And I'm sitting there like, man, you're talking about me. Because I was the guy that had, like I had every outfit had a matching pair of sneakers. Right, I had long hair. I had to get it braided like every three days because my hair is thin so it would come out. I had earrings in both ears, and I want you to know there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It was just what God was trying to do in me. He was saying, are you willing to give all of those things up, right? I had a brand new uh, Cadillac DTS, so y'all know this is a long, long time ago, on 20-inch rims, right? It was shining when I was riding past, right? right? All of the attention was on me. Everything I did, the attention was on me. And then, God, I also had a work car that I never drove. It was like an old Chevette. And the Lord said this. He said, I want you to stop driving that, and I want you to drive this. 
And so I began to go through this change. So after that service that I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because I feel like that's what God is telling me to do, I'm sitting there and I'm just weeping. The tears are just coming down my face. I can hear the Lord as, as, as clear as you can hear me now. Say, you need to go back to your uncle's church and you need to help him. So I left the church. I went in my car. And back then I had a flip phone. Anybody remember the flip phones? <laughs> Opened up my phone, called my uncle. I said, man, I need to come and see you. And he says this. Are you ready? He says, well, we're having a Super Bowl Sunday party. <laughs> Why don't you come by? So... <laughs> I went to his church, went into his office. I'm crying like a baby. You know, Uncle Henry, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And he told me to come back and help you. I think God has a sense of humor, y'all, because he saves me on the day that I felt like was just terrible for me to do anything with him because I was busy watching football. He saves me on a Super Bowl Sunday. And then I go back to work on that next Monday. First break. I'm excited. I'm getting ready to go tell the group that I've been with for the last almost two months what's just happened to me. And I go in there and I tell them that I'm saved. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And they go ham. They go bananas. They're crying and, and everybody hugging and just praising God, rejoicing with the angels in heaven. And then the lady that invited me says, Antonio, I need to talk to you. I said, what's up? She said, I need to tell you something. I said, what? She says, you know, since you've been coming to prayer group, it, it was an all-women's prayer group. <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me that I was the only guy in the room for almost two months. So God uses an all-women's prayer group to begin me on this journey, right? And then he saves me on Super Bowl Sunday. Y'all can't tell me he don't have no sense of humor, <laughs> right? But watch this. I can't help but to think back of how important it is, because I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this today, about her having the courage and the boldness in Christ to do something that was not traditional. It was not traditional for men to be in an all-women's prayer group. But God saw something that he wanted to happen. And she invited me. And it's, you know, I almost, I'm, I'm happy, but I'm just really trying to think about what kind of friends I have. Because they're in there and they know that this is an all-women prayer group and they're not saying anything. You know what I'm saying? Like the joke is on me. But praise God, it happened. So what ends up happening is I end up taking over the prayer group. It became co-ed and we multiplied. I, I put one on each shift. We had three shifts, right? It's just amazing what God sees in you and what your ability to be able to do once there is an awakening on the inside of you. Because I realized we need to get this message out. It's too good. It's too good to keep to myself, right? When I got saved, I just didn't want just to go to church on Sunday and have a midweek service. I was reading the Bible as much as I could. I just couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to do the stuff. Anybody out there want to do the stuff? Like, you actually want to be a part of what God is doing. What we have a tendency to do, we will go and say, I'm going to do this. I think it's a great idea. Lord, come and partner with me. And God is saying, no, you need to find out what I'm doing, and you need to ask me to come, uh, come and help me do what I'm doing. I've learned some things along the way, y'all, that this life is challenging and there's a lot of fumbles and bumbles along the way. But as long as you're open to what God is trying to do, man, 
the opportunities that you can seize. So now I've been a part of several church plants. I have a heart for church planters. I have a heart for pastors. And I want to see us because the reality is in Christ, we are fighting from victory. We're not trying to get to victory. We just need a couple of people just to believe that. Because when we go forth, the enemy and all that he's trying to do, it cannot prevail against us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Why? Because the victory has already been won. Come on. Are we in church today? Like we have already won this thing, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of who you are. As I look around this sanctuary, do you know who you are? The influence that you have by simply being obedient to what God is calling you to and the doors that will open. Amen. God wants to do some stuff. So I share all of that. That was my icebreaker. How was it? Okay. Amen. So it kind of leads into what I want to talk to you about today. And I told you that I don't want to um, do anything that Pastor Ryan's going to have to come and clean up. I, I want him to be cool, like, enjoy your Sabbath, come back, and don't bring my name up like something was wrong, okay? All right, we can't have him back. All right. So, but I do believe that there are some things that we need to remind ourselves of. There's some things that we need to say over. And in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul basically says that in so many words that I'm repeating or I'm saying the same things or I'm writing the same things down again because it's for your safety, it's for your protection, and it's for your benefit, right? And how many parents do we have in the room today? Parents? Parents with kids? Yeah? Okay. Now, what I will do, I will remind my children of things, right? And, and have you ever heard this? I know already. Right? How many times are you going to tell me? Right? But what the Apostle Paul was saying is that it's better to be safe than sorry. It's better that I tell you this again so at least it stays on the forefront of your mind of what you need to be addressing. Right? So we need to remind ourselves just how awesome Jesus is. We need to remind ourselves of the basic fundamental kingdom principles that helps us to be successful in what God is calling us to. Amen? So what I want to talk to you about today is following Jesus. That's it. Nothing deep. Just following Jesus. Ta-da. Okay? And I know that you're probably saying, I know all about following Jesus. Right? I've been saved all this time. No, no. We need to remind ourselves of what it really means to follow Jesus because it's not easy. It's easier to say than it is to do. Right? Because if Jesus is asking you to follow him, he's going to take you to some places that are uncomfortable. He's going to ask you to do some things that you're like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. There's no way I'm going to be able to pull that off. You really want me to do that? Right? That's what I want to talk to you about today. All right? All right. So my first point that I want to make, because I'm, I'm going to uh, give you several points because pastors like, like having points. Right? Because it's easy to remember. It's easy to take notes. So if you want to take notes. But I'm going to cover four points today about following Jesus. Let's go right to the text in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. It says this. It says, as they were going on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as far as you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. 
but the first permit me to say goodbye to those at my home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Jesus is inching closer and closer to the cross. And if you read earlier in this passage, you'll find that the 12 disciples were sent out to minister to whoever had welcomed them. And they're experiencing much success of people being healed, people being delivered, and people being set free. And because of that, people were starting to come to Jesus saying, I'll follow you. I want to follow you. I want to be with you, right? And it's just amazing how sometimes people just want to be a part of the crowd but not really be a part of anything meaningful. They just want to be there so they they can say that they're a part of it. Yeah. But because of the, uh, God's power, we've, they were able to experience this phenomenal move of God. And so we see here in the ninth chapter of Luke chapter, in, uh, the ninth chapter of Luke, the 57th verse, where someone says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of you have ever said that? Only two of y'all have said that. See, we got, we, Jay, we got a deeper problem here. Okay. <laughs> All right. He said that I will follow you, okay? And, 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 and my question is for them is, did they go? Did they do what Jesus called them to do? Following Jesus is, is going to be a difficult task. So we see here with this first man, if you're going to follow me, do you know that it's going to be uncomfortable? Because Jesus says that foxes have holes, right? I don't even have a place to lay my head right? Do you really understand what you're asking me when you say that you want to follow me, right? I have no place here on earth. I'm here for an assignment. There's something that I have to do, and man, it's going to be challenging. Jesus tells another man, he said, hey, come follow me. But the man said he needed to go and handle some important business. He needed to go and bury his father. Repeat after me. Following Jesus leads to difficult choices. Following Jesus leads to difficult choices. Jesus tells him that he has even more important responsibility, and that is to proclaim the kingdom of God to everyone everywhere. He said, let the dead bury the dead. That seems pretty cold, doesn't it? Yeah, y'all know that's in the Bible, right? (laughs) Let me say this, though. Jesus is not saying, don't bury your loved ones. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying don't go take care of your family when they're sick. That's not what he was saying. What he's making this point here is that some of us will use excuses for not following him. You said you want to follow me, but now you want to go back and do something else. If we go to the next man, right, the next man said that he had to go back and he had some unfinished things that he had to take care of. He wanted to tell his family bye and all that. Jesus, look, is telling him whoever is more concerned with their past life and is willing to put God on hold is not fit for the kingdom. Is not fit for the kingdom. Following Jesus leads to hard choices. And I know living life is hard. We got stuff that's going on. And I want you to know, I just feel like I need to say this. I'm going to go off script a little bit. I just want you to know that whatever you have going on in your life, God is more than capable of helping you with it. 
And sometimes when we have our gaze and our focus on our problems, right, we remove the opportunity and what God is trying to do in our lives because maybe your healing, your deliverance and being set free is totally tied to your obedience. Maybe what God is trying to bring you up from and deliver you from and bring you out of is totally tied to your obedience. But if you're focused on this, if you're keeping your gaze on the problem, it's hard for you to walk in what God is calling you to. You remember the story of Peter when Peter was on the boat, right? Jesus told him to get out of the boat, right? If he kept his gaze on Jesus, he was able to do what? He was able to stay on top of the water. It wasn't until he looked away and started focusing on other things that he began to sink. Church, we need to keep our gaze on him. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstances are, your kids is acting up, keep your gaze on Jesus. Lord, if you don't come over here and deal with these kids right here and right now, right? And I know that there are some of us that have more challenging and, and, and more difficult things that we're dealing with, but I'm telling you that God is faithful, right? What I've come to do, I just want to stir up your faith again. Not to say that you aren't, I'm just saying that it's important for the body of Christ because this message is not necessarily for new believers. I think there's a lot of things that they can glean from it, but it's for the body of Christ. This message is for the church, is that we've got to get back to the basics of stirring up and walking out our faith. So let me get to my four points. And we don't know. We don't know if the three men actually followed Jesus, because it doesn't say. But what I do know is that if they were not obedient to what the Lord said, they failed at following Jesus. Simple as that. You want to know why? Because you can't follow Jesus a little bit. You can't follow Jesus halfway. You can't follow him on odd days and do your own thing on even days. Like, like you've got to make a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus all the way, which is my first point. Is that if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to follow him all the way. Say it, all the way. We've got to follow him all the way. Okay. I love what Bob Goff says. He says, our problem with following Jesus is we're trying to be a better version of ourselves rather than a more accurate reflection of him. Wow. Wow. So two things are happening when we're following Jesus is that we're learning to follow Jesus and we're also learning to unfollow ourselves. <laughs> How many of you have ever unfollowed people on social media? You don't want it in your spirit, you're tired of it, you just can't take it no more, right? But how many of you know you need to unfollow yourself? <laughs> you got to unfollow yourself sometimes so that you can truly walk in it because sometimes God is going to have you do things that are not comfortable. He's going to ask you to do things that um, is going to take you out of that comfort zone because in the comfort zone, it is hard to grow. It's hard to be stretched when you refuse to move outside of your comfort zone. Right? And, and, and God, when he is, is telling us to do things, he's intentionally telling us to do things that we wouldn't normally do on our own because we like to be comfortable. So these are some of the things that happen when we um, are trying to follow the Lord. When I first got saved, you know, I didn't really see, have a, really a lot of good models of people who were actually living this thing out. And I wondered, like, you know, why should I give my life to Christ if they're in the same place doing the same things, right? If, if they're hanging out at all of the places that I used to hang out or that I'm hanging out at, like, why do I need to be with them? 
right? God is going to give you what you need to deal with those different situations because sometimes he needs to take you away. Somebody say, take away. Sometimes he's got to take you away from the places that you find yourself to be comfortable in. And I remember this time when when we're following Jesus, because I I said that um, there's going to be times that the Lord will call you to do things that are uncomfortable. And I I remember I was in the, uh, uh, back in 2002, I was in the parking lot of our church, had just gotten saved. I've probably been saved probably about six or seven months. And I'm in my car, and I hear the Lord say, I want you to give everything in your pocket to the lady that's standing at the door. Now, back then, we didn't have debit cards. They were ATM cards. So the ATM card just got your cash out, but you couldn't, like, do anything else with it, right? So a lot of times, back then, a lot of us, who were able, who had money in the account, you would have a little bit of money in your pocket, right? So I had about $150, $200 in my pocket, and I hear the Lord say, give her everything in your pocket. And I can't keep my eyes off of the exit gate. I'm like, how can I just get out of here? Because I really wasn't sure. But one thing that I've learned about the voice of God and what God calls you to, he will never tell you to do things necessarily that are easy. He won't tell you to do things that you're just going to do on your own. That takes practice, Right? So I said, all right, okay. So I pulled up. I'm still trying to talk myself out of it. Anybody ever been there? I'm still trying to talk myself out of it. I get out of the car. I walk over to the lady, and I give her all the money in my pocket. It was between $150, $200. And she said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I turned around immediately to leave because I didn't want to take it back from her. <laughs> so I got in my car, and I left. These are some of the types of things that the Lord will call you to do because he knows that we won't do it on our own. Following Jesus is following him all the way in his pain and in his joy. In uh, uh, Philippians chapter 10, the apostle Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made comfortable unto his death to go all the way with him right? Saints, we got to go all the way with Jesus. Do you know in the scripture it says that I will never leave you nor forsake you? He never turns it off. He never says, you know what, I'm tired today. I'm I'm, I'm not going to be there for you. Like he's always on when it comes to us. That's how much you're loved. My second point is this. Somebody say, follow his directions. Follow his directions. Jesus is the model. He is the example. He's the transcript. In his word is where we find how we are to live this life out. And I said earlier in the morning service that, um, you know, there was, uh, remember the bracelets that used to have WWJD on it, right? And that stood for what would Jesus do? I understand the idea of it, but I really have a problem with the thinking because it is almost making the assumption that everybody know what Jesus did. So I I like WDJD better. What did Jesus do? Because if I know what Jesus did, then I'm in a better position to make decisions in my own life concerning things that I'm going through. But if I don't know what he did, I'm going to do what I think I would do if I was Jesus. I don't know if you caught that or not. Right? And I believe the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which which was in Christ Jesus, not let my mind be in him that was in me. Oh, come on now. Come on now. 
Listen, listen, we have to do what he says and what he wants us to do. And it's not partiality. It's not when we feel like it. It is all the time because God knows what is best for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Many years ago, my father uh, bought a playscape. And the playscape is, you know, it, it had a little house on top with the slide. It had three swings. It had this little rocker thing on it, right? And my father loved to have that kind of stuff at the house because he's got a lot of grandkids. I have six, right? I got a sister that has five. I got another sister that has three. And then I lose count. Four. See? Four. Thank you, Nina. <laughs> Nina Nina's good at remembering that stuff. So he, we, he gets this playscape. It's in this huge box. And he asked me to go get a couple of my friends from the church to come and help put it together, right? And, and, and in this box, it's about five bags of hardware. And in the bags, it's screws, it's um, uh, nails, uh, bolts, uh, washers, plastic pieces. There's a whole bunch of stuff in here, right? And that's normally where you're going to find what? The instructions. How many of you have put some stuff together because you didn't read the, the instructions and you had some extra pieces left? <laughs> right? Or you got started and you realized you had to go back... Look, look, she know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And then you had to go back and you had to take it all back apart again just so you could finish it, right? That's what Jesus provides to us in his word, the instructions. So my father says this to me. He says, go and get the wheelbarrow. I'm like, what you want me to get the wheelbarrow for? He said, I'll show you, right? Real confident, I'll show you. Go get the wheelbarrow. So we go get the wheelbarrow. I pull it out. And then my father takes each bag and opens it up and dumps them into the wheelbarrow. You, you know, my A's, my double A's, the C code and the I, like all these different numbers and stuff that's on the bag so that you can follow the directions to put it together. He puts it all in there. He's just ripping them like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? Right? I need them to be in the bag so I know what part to put together. Oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, but you're not putting it together. I am. So to make a long story short, it took us about three months to put this playscape together, <laughs> right? It took about three months, and I, I know for sure that there's a whole bunch of screws, bolts, washers, and pieces in the wrong places. I guarantee you. And I just thank the Lord that nobody got hurt. But the point of the story is when we don't follow directions, we lose time and we lose valuable resources that we didn't have to. When we're not listening to what the Lord is saying, we can get caught up in doing our own thing, and it not only affects us, it, it affected everybody, because all the brothers, look, I had to have people working shifts. When are you off? Because i got to put this thing together, right? It affected everybody. It just wasn't me. It affected everybody, and it affected the timing, right? So he is our instructions. He gives us the direction, all right? So that can all be found in his word. The third point is this. Following Jesus will cost you something. Somebody say, cost you something. Yeah, yeah, this is going to cost you something. This life will cost you your old life. Any man who is in Christ is what? A new creation. Maybe you're going to lose some friends. Maybe you're going to lose some family along the way. And it doesn't have to be permanent. But God is saying, what are you willing to do to follow me? Y'all quiet. What are you going to do to follow me? Like, is it going to be 
you're going to listen to your mom first, and then you're going to listen to what I have to say and see how that lines up with what your mom says, or you're going to listen to everything your dad says. And, and look, I love my dad to death, but this is what I believe, is that God, that my father could only take me so far. But to take me further, I needed the Lord to do that. I needed the Lord to really show me another way. And now what we're doing now, I'm able to come back and I'm able to help my father along the way. You have to be obedient to what the Lord is calling you to because this is not going to be easy. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says this. It it, it tells us that it's not possible for us to serve two masters. It's not. It goes on to say that either he will hate one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. How many of you know that that's in the Bible? Just curious. See, there, there, there is teaching in the Bible that's not intended to destroy the family. It's intended to make the family stronger. But we have to make a decision, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Say this all the way. I'm going to follow you all the way. There are real costs in following Jesus. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came, came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. There's going to be people that you may not have grown up around or that may not have come up in your community or your neighborhood that God is telling you to love on. There may be people that don't look like you or talk like you or may have had really some bad history that God is still calling us to love on. That's what following Jesus looks like. I love what uh, Francis Chan says. He says that when Christians come together, they're like manure. They stink. But when Christians go out and they spread out, man, stuff starts to grow. Stuff starts to grow, right? God wants us to get out of our real close cliques and start taking the word out further, right? To win as many people as possible. How many of you believe that Jesus is coming back? Come on now. Come on. Come on. so, So this is a question that I like to ask the body of Christ. If Jesus is sitting up on the throne and he's looking down, I wonder what is he saying about the American church? I wonder if he said, like, what are they doing? What are they up to? I told them to go make disciples. What are they doing? He said, I said I would build my church. What are they doing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, so these are real things God is calling us to, right, is that we are supposed to, to, to care for other people, right? I was um, going home from church, and I'm almost done. I got one, one more point, and I'm getting out the way. I was going home from church. I was about five minutes away. I was on the service drive, and I'm riding down the street, and I see this car with the hood up, and there's four people. There's two women, and there's two males, right? And what I normally do, I'm going to be honest with you, because I'm from Detroit. We just keep rolling, 
right? I'll call AAA for you, right? But I'm going to keep rolling because I don't know what's up, right? So this one time, I'm riding down the street. I'm prepared to roll. And the Lord says, stop. I said, what? He said, stop. So I pull up. And I creep up, right? Because I'm still trying to, like me and Jesus is having this talk. Like, you sure you want me to do this? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like making sure that I'm hearing from you. So I pull up and I crack the window about that much, <laughs> right? Now, I'm from Detroit, y'all. So I know my background and my history, where I come from. We used to walk around and we call it mean mugging. <laughs> you have to do that just so that you don't have no problems, right? Because if you look soft, you might have a problem, right? So, so we used to have to try to look mean. Right now, I find myself smiling at everybody, wherever I'm at, right? It don't matter, right? So, so I roll the window down about that much. The guy comes up to the car, and I said, what's up? <laughs> hey, a whole pastor, right? I'm like, what's up, right? He says, I ran out of gas, can you take me to get some gas? I said, I won't take you to get, get no gas. I'll take one of those girls, though. <laughs> so, so the girl came and got in the car, right? And we're riding. And you know the first thing she said to me? She says, I don't have no money, but I'll do whatever you want me to do. Do you know how connected we need to be to the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes that story can turn out to be a lot different than what I'm getting ready to share. So I said, no, 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 no. I said, I got you, right? So we go to the gas station, and I don't know when is the last time you bought a gas can from the gas station, but they are expensive, <laughs> right? 2.5 gallons, like 16 bucks, right? I could only put 2.5 gallons in it, right? So I end up leaving there spending about 23 bucks with this little gas can. <clears throat> and so when we take it back, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Tell her, you don't have to do this anymore. And I told her, you don't have to do this anymore. She just starts crying. And I said, don't you know how much the Lord loves you? He cares about you. And that he just wants to be in partnership with you to help you with the things that you're struggling with. The tears are just streaming down. I said, do you go to church? She doesn't, you know, go to church, right? I said, do you know that, that, that Jesus actually wants to come into your life now? And I want you to know that he's always been there. You just weren't aware, but, but he wants to bring to the knowledge and make you aware that he's always been with you, and now he's ready to help you to deal with the things that you're going through. Do you want to accept Jesus into your heart right now? She said, yes, I want to accept Jesus. So I walked her through the prayer of faith, and she's just crying, right? And then I pull up to let her out, and I know that they were all wondering what was going on because she was just profusely crying, right? But this is the point I'm trying to make, is that God is going to put us into situations to make a difference in other people's lives. He's already made the difference in my life because I know him. But how many people God is trying to speak to you, people that you see, people that you cross paths with that you don't say anything to? Because God is going to make a way. So, you know, I said my third point that, that following Jesus is going to cost you something. So guess what? It cost me what? Some time. I was ready to go home. It cost me a little bit of money, right? But how many of you know that God will replenish whatever you put out, especially when you do it for him? These are just biblical principles, right? When I sow, what is God going to do, right? You're going to reap a harvest. So stop thinking about the little bit that I have when God puts you into a situation. I'm looking for people to bless. Lifehouse, we need to be looking for people to bless because that's when God shows up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
My fourth point, and I'm almost done. My fourth point is this. We need power to follow Jesus. We need power to follow Jesus. The disciples walked with Jesus for three years, learning, observing, and participating in his miracles. Yet, even they could not follow him faithfully in their own strength. They needed a helper. If we're going to be successful at following Jesus, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to to be in partnership with what God is doing. We need to invite him into our lives and ask him to speak to us. See, not following Jesus is really a losing strategy. The first believers were filled with the power from on high. It was at that point that they were empowered to follow Jesus. What happened after that? Expansion and growth of the church. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to have his way. Hallelujah. So what are our four points? Follow Jesus all all the way. What was our second point? Follow his directions. What was our third point? Following Jesus is going to cost you something. Number four. We need power from on high that's made available. He wants us all to have the gift. He wants the whole church to be mobilized on mission for him, winning the world to him. That's what the kingdom is about. And I guess that that's why I like the kingdom message because it's so aggressive. Right? Like, like my kids, when they're playing video games, they want to win. They, right? Right? That's how we ought to be when we are thinking about taking over the world. Like, like, we are empowered to win the world for him. How many of you know that God wants the radio stations? He wants uh, TV and media. He wants everything. He wants, he, he, wants a st- he wants Target. He wants Walmart. He wants it all. That's an aggressive message. That is the kingdom of God message, that he wants it all. He wants to take it all over. He wants us to take it all over for him and to have influence and spheres of influence wherever we are. Man, that's the message that I can get behind. And I've got the power to do it. See, some of you are at jobs right now. It might be an opportunity, and I know this is the Holy Ghost. It might be an opportunity to start a prayer group. You probably got some family members right now that's just simply waiting on an invitation. Come on over to the house. Right? We're going to have a meal because y'all know we like to eat. We're going to have some food, and and somehow I'm going to share Jesus. Right? Jesus is strategizing. How many of you know that the enemy is strategizing on you right now? He's not taking a break. He's paying attention to the things you like, the things that you're into. Right? And he want to make sure that you have all that you need so that you can stay off track and stay unfocused on Jesus. But I'm telling you that the kingdom of God says that we need to be focused and we need to strategize together to take the world over for him to take this country over for him. I know I've heard a lot of stuff about the American church, but I have hope. I have hope that if we get back to the basics and preach the gospel and preach about Jesus, and can I say not sugarcoat it, and speak the truth in love, the, just, just what God can do, I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about our opportunities. Amen? Amen. Amen.
If this message, any part of this message, uh, you feel like it applies to you in any way, you feel like that you could probably be a better follower of Jesus. Maybe you've put some stuff, um, uh, you know, ahead of what God is calling you to. Maybe you're not really hearing them that much. It's like a lot of white noise because you got so much going on in your life that maybe God is saying, I want you to take your gaze off of that and I want you to put your gaze on Jesus, right? Maybe God is trying to get your attention. If I'm talking to you, I just want you to stand up wherever you are. Amen. Amen. If there's anybody in the house right now, you just feel like you want to do the stuff, right? But maybe you're not operating with the Holy Spirit. You just want an infilling of the Spirit. Like, this is your day. It's a gift. God wants to give it to you. I want you to stand up wherever you are. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you right now. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm praying right now, God, that you would touch each and every person, God, that is standing up right now, that was bold enough and had the courage, God, to stand, God, Lord, and what you're trying to do, this next level for them. Their, their elevation in the kingdom, their promotion in the kingdom, God. Lord, as they walk in obedience to what you're calling them to, God. I pray right now, God, for those that want to be filled with your spirit, God. You said that it is a gift, and Lord, we receive it now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The same way, God, hallelujah, that you moved on the day of Pentecost as the church began to grow and expand. Lord, I am believing, God, that you're going to use these people who are standing right now to impact the future. Lord, to make a difference in the future. Lord, that they are going to move mightily in you. Lord, we cast away fear. We cast away doubt right now, God, and we walk boldly with you one step at a time. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we're going to follow you all the way in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we're going to follow your instructions. Lord, we understand that it's going to cost us something, God. Hallelujah, Lord. But whatever we give up, Lord, we know that you are able to replenish it. Lord, on today, God, we go to the mountain to worship. The same way Abraham went with Isaac. Lord, and we believe right now, God, that if there's anything that is restricting us and restraining us from going all the way with you, God, we submit it to you now in the name of Jesus. Because we are faithful to believe that if you take it away, you can give it back again in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Lord, we pray. We give you thanks. We give you honor because there is none like you. And the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, Lifehouse.